Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Sox on Tap podcast. It's Tony Marchese alongside Purdue still owns Illinois' NWI Steve. We're here on a Sunday fun day. Just finished watching some football over the weekend. We're here to talk some White Sox baseball. Steve, I see you've got some football takes in your uh, in your handle here today. Uh, what happened yesterday? I'm not a big college football guy, but uh, how you doing? It seems like uh, Northwest Indiana comes up big again here. Hey, yo, Anthony. I am doing great. I am having myself a weekend. My Purdue Boilermakers once again showed that they own the University of Illinois, those fucking fugazis. At this point, Purdue University might as well just annex the entire 217 area code because they already own the University of Illinois. Just take all the rest of it with, might as well. And then to cap it all off, what have I been saying for years? Justin Fields, he's not he's a running back. Let's just call it what it is. 14-point lead against the Detroit Loins at home, and you throw a costly pick six to prevent your team from winning a very winnable game. At this point, we just have to say what it is. Justin Fields is a running back. Ryan Poles needs to go out there and he needs to be using that draft capital to get a quarterback to pair with him. And maybe, just maybe, the Bears might return to their glory days of the Great Depression. And that's that's the amount of football talk we're going to have on this show for the day. I figured we'd get it out of the way early. Thanks for hopping on here, Steve. It's uh, it's Sunday. It's been far too long without baseball. I'm feeling it. I'm pretty sure you're feeling it. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second. But before we do, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. We've got White Sox coverage. We've got Bears coverage, Bulls coverage, Hawks coverage. Yes, there's people well, that work for our website that cover the Cubs too. But Steve, yeah, what, you got something to insert here? You know, yeah. Into the ad rate. While while we're on the subject of Bulls talk, I don't know if people on uh, Twitter.com were paying attention Monday night, but yours truly was in attendance at the UC. Yours truly was responsible for inspiring the Bulls to come back after a deflating defeat last Sunday against the Toronto Raptors. I drove them to victory. They are 1-0 with me in the house. You're welcome. Bulls on tap, you owe me a giant fucking thank you. Yeah, uh, go subscribe to uh, the Bulls on tap guys as well. Uh, We'll have Buzz on here later tonight breaking down the Bulls game. I think they're playing right now. Yeah, it's about 8.30. Uh, the Bulls game should be uh, in uh, full-fledged at this point in time. Uh, I have no idea what the score is, but be sure you're following along with Bulls on Tap if you're a fan of the Bulls. 
And uh, you can get our guy Buzz on tap and his co-host uh, at Bull Scripted over there breaking down the game the way that we do uh, for socks on tap here. Steve, thank you for bringing the Bulls a win. I hope Buzz uh, gives you a giant thank you for that. That's a, that's that's great. Um, we're here to talk about some baseball, though, and we've got some baseball topics uh, to talk about. Steve, Let's let's just let's get to a couple of these. We've had some some trade rumors. We had the GM meetings take place uh, this past week. Uh, not really much activity from the White Sox, but some concerning reports in terms of where the payroll is going to be next year, uh, how the White Sox are going to operate over the offseason. I'm sure these are things that are going to get you pretty hot and bothered in terms of. Uh, where the socks are going, I might have some conflicting viewpoints that are, are rooted in nothing but just hope. Uh, outside of that, man, uh, there's also the fact that the White Sox haven't filled out their coaching staff yet. There's a couple of other topics in terms of how this roster is going to shake out. Let's let's hit a couple of these things. I want to start with. I want to start with this. The biggest thing in my mind, Rick Hahn speaking to reporters at the GM meetings and saying that the payroll is going to be largely the same as it was last season. I'll give you the floor in just a second here. I thought that they were going to slash payroll. This is something that you told me that they would slash payroll. Obviously when you hear largely the same, there's still some room to be under what they had last year. I think no one had the, the Sox are going to spend more uh, bingo card for the 2023 season, but largely the same. I'm kind of okay with it, but I'm also concerned for a lot of reasons. Steve, thoughts on Rick Hahn saying that this payroll is going to be largely the same. Largely the same does leave a lot of room for latitude. If it comes in $10 million less, that's largely the same is 15 million dollars largely the same yeah where do we draw the line here i that's, guess is that's where do you where do you draw the line you personally me where do personally you draw the line? largely the same would be the same that's what i would define as largely the same particularly for a team that i'm going us, within three million dollars that's that's kind of largely the same for me Within three million. That's okay. Okay. That's it's a Lurie Garcia fair. away. That's fair. But you know, Rick Hahn doing that thing that he does where he says words and gives himself plausible deniability, for lack of a better term, because he is, after all, a lawyer, lest we forget. So where that payroll number is going to ultimately end up is a tremendous question. They are hamstrung, I think, in a lot of different ways by guys on this present roster as currently constructed here. And one of the things that I wrote about earlier on in the week is I believe that they are just simply going to hope for a dead cat bounce out of many of the guys that are here on the roster because they don't have a tremendous amount of flexibility, if we're being completely honest with ourselves here. So to hear him come out and say that payroll is going to be largely the same, to me, what that symbol symbolizes is they are going to just hope and pray that Pedro Grafal is going to sprinkle some magic managerial dust with 
his first season on, on the White Sox bench, and they're going to hope and pray that maybe a revamped strength and conditioning program is all of a sudden going to allow these guys to be healthy. To me, that's not a winning strategy. To me, that's not how a serious organization would go about this thing. Can I insert a question here, Steve? You certainly can, Anthony. Is that not the same strategy that they went into the 2022 season with? I think by and large, yes. I mean, obviously they did add Kendall Graveman, um, you know, because we have to create super bullpen. We have to allocate, I think it was 35 or 36% of our overall payroll to the bullpen. So this is kind of just status quo for where this organization is. This is, again, symbolic of how unserious they are. We talk about, and, and the Philadelphia Phillies, team that lost in the World Series to the Houston Astros, they are a poster child for what should be happening with this team. 2018 offseason, they acted like a major market. They went out and they signed Bryce Harper, a guy who, you know, I don't feel like I have to remind everybody, pretty much came out and said he wanted to sign with the Chicago White Sox. But they have a serious owner in John Middleton who doesn't believe that he operates a mom and pop shop in a major market. And so he said, yes, I'm going to sign Bryce Harper. And he's even on the field after they clinched the pennant saying, I wanted to talk about this. Literally say, literally saying, I think, I think you're underpaid at $330 million. You're underpaid. Imagine you- Jerry Reinsdorf saying that it would never fucking happen. That coward. I, I, I want to just hammer this home. <laughs> Could you imagine, Steve, like just for two seconds, you're laying in bed at night, you open your phone, you're a fan of whatever team in somewhere in America, and you're sitting there and you hate your owner because you just want to win a World Series, and you see Jerry Reinsdorf on the field, a video of Jerry Reinsdorf telling somebody that they're underpaid. Because that's what I was. I was a White Sox fan when the Phillies clinched that, laying in bed, pick up my phone, open Twitter, and I see this video of an owner telling a player, I think you're underpaid. And I'm like, that kind of hits you in a, in a different way when you're a White Sox fan because of what happened with Manny Machado, what happened with Bryce Harper, what happened during that offseason. And then you go and you open your phone today and you see an article from the Chicago Sun-Times that says the White Sox are going to hope for better results from the core that was assembled here already. Now, the money was going to be spent. It's, it's very easy to get disgruntled with some of this stuff because it's right there in your face. It is right there in your face. You've got owners of professional baseball teams that are telling Bryce Harper, I think you're underpaid. And this is a guy that's going to have to, he, he battled through injuries throughout that postseason. He's got some serious surgery coming up and he battled through. Yes. They came up a little bit short and I'm sure even if the White Sox were in the Phillies position and the roles were reversed and we came up short, we'd be pissed off. 
I'm sure people in Philadelphia are, are fucking furious that they were unable to finish the ultimate goal. But the Sox cannot claim at this point that they've gotten there. And that, it, that was a very striking moment for me in this postseason. Phillies fans can be pissed off about it, but they know that they have an owner that has shown, if you just go back 15 years ago to their last competitive stretch, that when they are ready to win, John Middleton doesn't care about payroll. He will do what is necessary. And they are immediately, they have been one of the top teams linked to free agent shortstop Trey Turner. They're literally saying that wasn't good enough. We're here to win the World Series at whatever cost. We know Dave Dombrowski is there. Dave Dombrowski's business model is go out, get stars, whether it is through trades or through an owner's ATM card. Because he's he's sitting there and analyzing this as I've got to go compete with the Dodgers and the Astros. And the Mets. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, I can't imagine what that has to feel like. So as a Phillies fan... Yeah, you're upset that you ultimately didn't finish the job. But at the same time, you know that you have an owner that is committed, that is serious about winning. We hear all the time about how no and and Boob Nightingale will always put it out there. Nobody wants to win more than Jerry Reinsdorf. He's so committed. He's brought seven championships to the city of Chicago. No mention of the fact that he inherited the greatest athlete to ever walk the planet. No mention of that, but he's so committed to winning. Then you see and you compare and contrast that with John Middleton, who is telling his highest pride, highest paid player, I think you are underpaid. And they're already going to go out there and they're going to try to add to that team in hopes of finishing the job next year. That has to be an amazing feeling as a fan. It does, but I think still they would rather be celebrating in the streets of Philadelphia. I mean, obviously they would. I mean, look, at the end of the day, only one team is going to win that final game of the season. But But I will will agree with you here. There there is a striking difference in how other teams are operating right now within this market than the Chicago White Sox. And I think that there's some things – that you can look at very recently, the Bryce Harper incident being one, the Sun Times article uh, talking about how they're going to go basically run this back. You wrote a great article over at ontapsportsnet.com about the White Sox being able to potentially catch a dead cat bounce. I think at the end of the day, Steve, what you're really trying to hammer home is you want more than a lottery tickets chance within this competitive window that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf have collectively put together. You want the best odds going into the season and the things you're hearing at this point seem like subtractions to those odds versus what you see in the market from other teams who are, are there right now. I think that's the easiest way to lay this out. And yeah, I, I would. Several I would factors aside, <laughs> it doesn't look good. No, it it doesn't. At the end of the day, look, having a high payroll, being above the luxury tax, does that guarantee you winning the World Series? 
No, it doesn't. But what it does is it gives you an opportunity to spend over roster mistakes. That's what serious organizations do. Everybody wants to throw all these stats out there about, you know, all teams with the highest payroll, you know, don't win the World Series more oftentimes than not. And I've seen some schlubs on twatter.com in recent weeks talking about how, you know, in the last, I think, 20 years, I think only two teams have won the World Series with a player top five in payroll on their roster. That's literally not the point. At the end of the day, the goal is to position yourself as best possible to win the World Series. You do that by getting into the postseason. And if you look at the numbers here, they're pretty telling that teams with the highest payrolls typically get into the playoffs. You get in, you've got a shot. The Phillies proved that this year. The Atlanta Braves proved that last year. Here's the here's the big problem with the White Sox that I have right now. You have a top payroll in baseball. Alloc- spending allocation is a significant issue there. All right, so-, so let's 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 move into that, Steve, because I gave them the benefit of the doubt this season. You came at them throughout the course of Sox on Tap post games, where I was very positive. You were very negative on this, and and you kind of called some some issues out. I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yes, they had a top, what is it? They were seventh in, in baseball and payroll. You look at that by the stats, they should be in the playoffs. Let's get to the spending allocation because the only way, the only way this happens is when your roster is unbalanced or you have a fuck ton of injuries. I think the Sox had both. How do you dig yourself out of this? Let's look at what the spending allocation is right now and kind of go break that down. We'll start with the bullpen because it's the largest budget item on the face of the earth for the Chicago White Sox. We've heard Liam Hendricks in some trade rumors early on this offseason. You've got Kendall Graveman. You, you just mentioned you've got to go bring him in. There's Joe Kelly, who's part of this equation. I'm surprised he hasn't like opted out of something at this point in time. I don't even know if he has an opt-out. But I would expect him to try and opt-out at this point. I would hope if he's following the A.J. Pollock plan, and we'll get to some of that in just a minute. But we'll start with the bullpen, Steve. Is that is that the White Sox' largest problem going into the 2023 season? It is a significant problem, and you can sit and you can certainly say it is the biggest problem that the highest portion of the payroll is tied up into guys that ultimately are on the field the least amount. Um, so there's definitely a, a problem there. Circling back to your original thesis, there talking about okay, this team is a top seven in payroll. That that final number looks nice on paper, and for the defenders of Jerry Reinsdorf's family trust, they like to sit there and say, "Oh, see, he spent 195 million dollars. He's never spent that much before. They were top seven in payroll. They should have enough to win." That all sounds great. But let's look at some other facts. Let's look at some underlying issues associated with this here. A lot has been made, obviously, about the fact that this organization has never issued a free agent contract for more than $7 million. Believable. 
I agree, Hawkeroo. It is unfreaking believable for a team in a major market. If you break it down further, they have never issued a contract to a free agent with an average annual value of $20 million or greater. You gotta be bleeping me. The closest they got to that number was Dallas fucking Keuchel. And I think. And I think everybody knows how I feel about that flaming shit bag. So when you I are, think the best part about Dallas Keuchel is he gone! confirmed. I can't wait to edit our intro video next year so that we don't have to talk or ever hear his fucking name ever again. I'm going to keep him in there just for a reminder of the past, because if you ignore history, it will repeat itself. That's that's cold, Anthony. That is just cold. Nevertheless, that's not why you called. Again, the unwillingness of this owner to spend at the top of the market to actually go for high-ticket items. He wants to shop at TJ Maxx when, you know, let's face the facts, should be shopping at uh, Versace or whatever, you know, big-name brand there is. This is Chicago. This is not Kansas City. It's embarrassing. Let's be real. Wait a second. Is it Kansas City now? Is it Kansas City now? Because, I mean, we've got their, what, bench coach? <laughs> I mean, we can we can joke about, about that all, all we want let's, here. Let's, let's um, not joke about it. Let's actually think about this seriously. I mean. For a second. <sighs> People are celebrating this move. And yes, there are a lot. Of, I'm not trying to disrespect Pedro Griffal in any way, shape, or form. There are a ton of stories in this world where a guy comes up through an organization, whether it's in baseball, football, hockey, sports, not even sports. Take it out of there. Guys who work hard get what they deserve. And I'm sure that Pedro Griffal has worked his fucking ass off to get this job. But are you really happy? Are you really happy, Steve, with this hire? Are you really thinking that the Kansas City Royals bench coach is going to come in here and turn this fucking thing around? This is this is my biggest problem with the whole thing. I feel like I'm living in a fucking simulation, man. It feels like a joke. You brought back Tony LaRusso, and I understand there's there was so many problems with this hire. But you brought on one of the like the winningest managers of all time. You gave him this group of players. It didn't fucking pan out. People want to point the finger at him, say, okay, that didn't work. You think the Kansas City Royals fucking bench manager is going to come in here and fix everything? The White Sox Twitter account does. The way they want to sell it to you does. But I, I just, I, I, I have trouble thinking that that's the answer. Is it the ultimate answer? No. Um, the ultimate answer is no, but they've sold you hope again. Well, I mean, I mean, let's be real about this. What is the social media intern supposed to do in this situation here? That, because that's their job. Right. So it's kind of hard to sit there and envision a scenario where they're not going to 
paint this picture with a broad brush that this is a tremendous hire. They're overpainting right now. I mean, we're at a point, this is just my take, we are at a point within this offseason where I've had so much Pedro Grafol content. Just weeks after you said, we're not going to go face the fans. We're not going to hold the Sox Fest. We're not going to give our new manager a platform to even answer your questions. We're going to send him out to buy lunch for everybody and and send five to six tweets about him a day when we didn't even want to talk about our manager that we had six months ago. In fact, when he might be, you know, potentially dying, we're not even going to mention it. Our GM's not going to come out and mention what the status is of this guy. Well, I'm getting overfed messages about the current manager, and he hasn't even done anything for the organization yet. I think, okay, here's one aspect of this to consider. Um, Obviously, there was a lot of backlash from the minute uh, the Crypt Keeper was hired two years ago. And the social media team obviously knew that. They knew that this fan base. Also, the the social media team also fucked up a tweet and put somebody else's signature on on that. So the social media team, we don't. Here's the other thing: we don't know who runs the Sox social media account. At least I don't. So I don't even know the same person. I don't know who runs at White Sox. Maybe you do. I can hashtag confirm that I do not know who operates the account, but we see these contrasts all the time when it comes to... Is at White Sox Rick Hans Burner? That would be something right there, wouldn't it? Well, look, let's hey, let's go a little tinfoil hat time here. Okay, maybe it is. Are are we too? Hey, are we too early? I bet Rick Hahn. I bet Rick Hahn is logged into at White Sox. Are we too early in the episode here for a little tinfoil hat time here? What if, what if the picture of the Crypt Keeper with AJ Hinch's signature two years ago was a plant by the general manager as a way to say, hey, I didn't support this fucking shit. I wanted nothing to do with this because if you read between the lines on a lot of the commentary from uh, Mr. Lawyer Boy over the last couple of weeks here, the shots have been not so subtle. So maybe, just maybe, that was planted there. Who knows? Rick Hahn may or may not be at White Sox. That's that's interesting. That's that's some developing. Some developing news here. I, man, we are we are far into tinfoil hat time. I don't think it was too early. It's 8.53. I mean, it's already dark outside. Well, it's been dark for almost four hours, Anthony. Yeah, it's, it's just the worst. It is just the worst. The The whole daylight savings time thing. Not a fan. It's not, not a fan ideal. Of it at it's all. not it's, ideal at all. It's been a rough week. Um I'm, I'm really buying this. I, I am buying what you're selling. Well, hey, that's that's good because that's kind of my job. Does he run the Southpaw account too? You know, I feel like Southpaw is his own man. And uh, I, I feel like he marches to the beat of his own different drum. So I don't see that one personally. 
where were we before we got to the Rick Hahn Twitter? Um, just, you know, talking stuff. about just, you know, Pedro Grafal and, you know. How yeah, I, I feel like I've been overserved. Like, I'm okay. And, and that's and that's I'm and okay. That's I'm okay now, right? Like, great. We've got a new manager. Yeah. I've, and, I've, I've, I've seen the picture of him hung up. I, I went to a Blackhawks game. He was there with Yasmani Grandal. You and I talked about it before. I, I mean, let's let's go to Socks on Tap story time. I'm driving to this Blackhawks game, same day that uh, he was hired, and you and I were on the phone, and we're talking about possible Yasmani Grandal trade scenarios, and then Yasmani Grandal shows up and is there with Pedro Grafal, and I'm thinking to myself, they ain't trading this guy. He's sitting there with Pedro at a Blackhawks game. And then you get some reports that he's training with the Blackhawks training coach. There's a, a new performance coach who was hired by the White Sox over the past week. I think he's here. But then you get these Sean Murphy rumors. Okay. That's, so That's what came out of the GM meetings. Let's talk about Sean Murphy. I think that's a good segue, as okay, so they say in there, the business. There's, there's a lot of interconnectedness to these different pieces here, to Yasmani Grandal, to Sean Murphy. And so let's look at this kind of piece by piece here. I don't envision a scenario in which Yasmani Grandal is not on the 2023 White Sox opening day roster. As I talked about earlier in the week, he is one of the prime guys that they told need to have that dead cat bounce. You you told me that he might go to Detroit. I did okay. I let's, did not say he might. I said, I said, if they decided they wanted to go down a path to move him, it's got to be bad. Can we piss people off? Country. Can we piss people? Let's off? not just, go. Just, let's just not, read. Let's not. Let's tell not, tell not, tell the people not, what not, you told me. Man, Anthony, we're not. Listen, we're not here to talk about that right now. That's not why you called. Okay. That is why I called. It's not, though. We're not going to go there, okay? We're going to save that, um, you know, for some drunken night in uh, in the garage at Casa de Marchese, okay? We'll save it for then, okay? We're not going to do that now. Hey, what do we always tell the people? If you've got something they want, don't do it. Don't give it away for free. I thought, I thought we told the people that Gavin Sheets is going to be a Hall of Famer. That's what I thought we were here for. I don't know about we, but nevertheless. So, yes, Monty Grandal, I fully expect to be a part of this team on opening day, March 30th in Houston, when the Astros are getting their World Series championship rings and Jose Abreu is being introduced as the Astros starting first baseman. This is even worse. I mean, you're, painting, you're painting pictures that I don't want to see. I mean, listen, it's just part of life. As it relates to Sean Murphy, there are problems with this hypothetical scenario that is floating around. And um, I've actually kind of heard for maybe a couple of months now that Sean Murphy was someone that the Sox have liked and that they would potentially have interest in this offseason. With that being said, the issues are this. They don't have the capital that is necessary to get him from the Oakland A's. Any deal to get Sean Murphy would have to start with Colson Montgomery. 
the White Sox number one prospect and the heir apparent to the shortstop position here. After that, things get problematic because this system just simply doesn't have the depth. So a package of Colson Montgomery, Brian Ramos, Jose Rodriguez, or Lenin Sosa, whoever you want to throw in there, that's just not enough. A team like Cleveland, who has nine prospects, nine in the top 100, the number three overall farm system, they have the capital that is going to be needed to go out and destroy any offer that the White Sox put out there. So the notion of Sean Murphy even getting to the corner of 35th and Shields just doesn't hold up. But I like the fact that the Sox are active in the catcher market. That, to me, it might not be Sean Murphy. And and obviously, there's a lot to like about a guy like Sean Murphy. The fact that they've sort of established that catcher – the fact that it's leaking out that they need to go out and do something about the catcher position to me is, is fantastic. Now, will they, I hope so, because if they run this back at that position with Yasmani Grandal, you know, his knees are not great. You know, he's not going to be able to be a catcher. He's going to have to play DH. I think that's, so let, but we got to talk that about goes the implications of that. That goes into the Jose Abreu decision. It, it doesn't so. It doesn't so much go. Well, okay. In effect, it does kind of go into I the think Jose it really Abreu situation. Does. Um, I think it really, really, really. Does. Okay, and and that's and that's fair. But who it also impacts? Aloy Jimenez. Because as mm-hmm. we have talked about here for mm-hmm. a year and a half about this team's need to protect him from himself, as we have discussed this team's need to improve defensively going into the 2023 season, the best way that they can go about doing that is have is taking Eloy's glove away Eloy from him. Eloy needs 450-plus at-bats at the DH position to Correct. maximize his value on his contract. Correct. So you can't go about doing that by having Yasmani Grandal getting the bulk of his at-bats at the DH position as well. That's a really shitty spot for Rick Hahn to be in, isn't it? It, it is in a, in a lot of regards, yes. But that just comes down to ultimately the issues with this roster construction here, unfortunately. So you can't really go out and acquire a guy like a Sean Murphy and install him as your starting catcher unless as a byproduct of that you are saying that Aloy Jimenez is going to see the bulk of his playing time patrolling left field. And we've seen how that movie goes. Um, I know there's a certain loudmouth slob on Twitter.com that likes to say, oh, you always fine out there. He's not. Okay. Um, he's not as terrible as Andrew Vaughn. But at the end of the day, Eloy is a risk to himself, to Luis Robert, to Tim Anderson, and to Yoan Mancada. Anytime the ball is in the air, he's a risk to anyone in his vicinity. Let's just be real about this. Let's just just fantasize for a second here. Does Andrew Vaughn headline a package? Jose Abreu is not coming back. Let's headline a package with Andrew Vaughn over to the Oakland A's. No, does not work. Does not work. I'm going to stop you right there, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Okay. We all know Oakland is in the process of tearing this thing down to the studs again, as they typically do 
their business model every four to five years is to divest themselves of their veteran talent as they start to see their salaries increase via arbitration or when they get to free agency. So when they go through these processes, and they did this um, after the 2015 season when they moved Josh Donaldson, for them, the key is contractual control. Andrew Vaughn has already burned up two years of major league service time. That does not fit the Oakland A's business model of bringing in a guy that has already subtracted two years of his major league service time, getting him closer to free agency. That's just, I'm just trying to find a way to get my guy, Gavin sheets, the first base job. I mean, you can do that. I mean, in which case, you know, you have to trade Andrew Vaughn to a team, maybe for a starting pitcher or for a. Well, here's the, my thoughts. Here's my thoughts. If you're letting a Brayu walk and you want to get Gavin Sheets back in your lineup, he's a guy that's basically league minimum, still has an option to burn, and you want to bring in somebody in a very. I mean, the first baseman market this offseason looks great. So let's go off the cusp here. You give and you give Andrew Vaughn to somebody else and try and bring back value at a position where you need it. Catcher to me is is number one. Second base or starting pitching is is number two to me. So for me, if you're gonna trade Andrew Vaughn this offseason, I think it has to be at those spots. So for me, if you're going to move Andrew Vaughn, you have to do it for a cost-controlled quality starting pitcher or a power-hitting corner outfielder. Those are the two spots right there. Again, I just think Yasmani Grandel's presence in there and the DH position existing. So what are you doing with backup catcher here? Because you it's, can, it's going to wind up – you're going to wind up on the back end of this market. I mean that that kind of is what it is. Maybe you can find a way to um, get um, you know Vasquez, who who finished up his uh, his season with the Astros. Although I think he probably is going to want a starting role. Um, look, the the backup catching situation. If that's is it backup catching or is it your starting catcher? I think that's what I want to know. I think it's pretty. I want to know that problem. I want to. I want to just address it right here. They have to figure out if Yasmani Grandal is going to be able to catch. I think it's pretty clear that that, that is going to be the intent is for Yasmani Grandal to be. Are you the comfortable with Yasmani Grandal catching 110 plus am I, for the Chicago am I, White Sox next year? Am I comfortable with a guy that has had now? I think it's three knee procedures in. Um, he's little, your backup catcher. He is sunk year. cost. That's where I'm at. He is sunk cost. But, we, it's, it, but it's not a sunk cost in the sense that we know how the White Sox operate. We know how Jerry Rensler does business. He is not going to be relegated to the bench at $18 million a year. That's just simply not going to happen. He was to. this past season, though. He was relegated to the bench this past season. He was DHing primarily, though. Well, and that just. Yeah, that and that. But again, the whole again, thing again, up. if you're again, not going to move them, you're screwed here. You're you are stuck with the Yasmani Grandal problem. They they are in a position of no one's doing but their own that they have to see if a full off season this year, um, with 
him having access to the strength and conditioning staff, which he didn't have a year ago after he had his offseason cleanup due to the lockout. That is, he's training just, with the Blackhawks. Oh, okay. I he's mean, training that's with the Blackhawks. I would, I would rather see, hey, I'm doing the strength and conditioning program that the White Sox have set out for me. Why is there news stories breaking that this guy's working out with the Blackhawks? Maybe there is not that that's of, a bad thing. Okay, but, but okay, let's think think about this for a second. One of the moments during the Pedro Grafrol introductory press conference was the subject of the strength and conditioning program did come up, and Grafrol started to address something. Turned to Rick and said, "Do we want to talk about this right now?" And Rick shut it down. So there's something going on there that we don't know about. Well, and so this is where I get a little bit concerned and I, I i don't have the tweet in front of me but the white Sox hired a new performance coach and he was with the arizona diamondbacks he sent out a tweet today and in that tweet he said i'm thankful for what the diamondbacks gave me but this will allow me to be closer to home and i took a job with the white Sox. That's not what I want to fucking hear, man. That is not what I want to hear for the Chicago White Sox. Sure, you may have gotten some great talent in terms of your performance coach, but the fact that, like, you, you've you've navigated a job market before, Steve, correct? Confirmed. So, yes, being closer to home and closer to your family is a great thing when it comes to jobs. That's for everybody. However, it when it when it comes to acquiring the top talent and getting somebody who's going to give it their all, I don't want to hear, well, I'm leaving the Diamondbacks organization. They're not even a great team. Our guy Brian, who who cuts clips for the he's he's all tuned into the Diamondback stuff. I can't wait to ask him this question. Are, are, was was he a big deal? For Arizona, in terms of performance, I don't, I don't think the average Diamondbacks fan knows that this guy existed. I mean, let's be let's be completely. We know who Herm Schneider was. I mean, we also know who our head groundskeeper has been for the last you know thirty years. I mean, not isn't many, that awesome? Not many teams know awesome? our groundskeeper has a bobblehead because he's right. best in the business, and not only is he best in the business. You can it's have a family game. business. It's a family business, and it keeps running and running. And it's 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 great. It's great to root for the family business, especially you, you're a big family guy. You you love family guys. Uh, Matt Nagy was a huge family guy. Your favorite head coach. You're a big My family guy. Head coach. You, you you like when when people keep it in the family and 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 just perpetuate that excellence. I'm not sure that I'm really sold on this whole tweet that I saw from the new White Sox performance coach. I feel like there was a little bit of shade thrown in the tweet. That's just my perspective on it. I wanted him to be like, I'm excited to come help the White Sox be better. Instead, it was, well, I get to be closer to home. I think it's a nothing burger, personally. Um, 
a guy that's a strength in, in conditioning coach or performance coach, whatever his title is going to be. I'm very concerned about the White Sox strength and conditioning guys and performance guys because our previous strength and performance guys, let's just call it out here, Steve. How and weak. They were and weak. Don't the first base hard. How savvy are these guys typically from a PR standpoint is my point, is my main point I'm trying to get across here. You're a PR guy. Well, if we've learned anything, the White Sox and public relations um, kind of been a losing battle for. I've been quite so shocked while. that I've been wearing these sunglasses for so long, so you can't see the shock in my eyes. Okay, Kenny. <laughs> well, I'm just you know it's a family business. I'm trying to carry on the motto. Yeah, you know it's a it's a family business. Hence, nobody can lose their fucking jobs around here. <sighs> Daryl Boston might have. Not from what I'm hearing. Ooh, you think we got Debo back? You think he's going to continue to blow the whistle at first base? Debo is uh, – I like Debo. You know, word on the streets, he might be somebody's snitch in the front office. Ooh, I don't I don't like to hear that. Uh, is, is Super Joe back? I know we got Charlie Montoyo. No, no, he's, no, no, he's, no, Super he's Joe. cooked. He's cooked. Thank no God. Super Joe. Yeah. Sent, sent too many runners this year. It happens. Yeah, yeah, it's a real shame. Real it shame. Happens. What What else we got here, Steve? What else we got? I know we had a couple other topics. We went down some some different paths here today. I think they were they were definitely great paths to go down. But what else do we want to talk about? We're forty five minutes into this. We'll 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 probably do another fifteen here. What else we well, got? Well, you know, you mentioned that uh, you have some Andrew Vaughn thoughts that uh, you wanted to share with the listeners. So I guess I'll uh, turn the floor over to you, Anthony, and see uh, see where this drive takes us. I do have some Andrew Vaughn thoughts, Steve. And I, I kind of preface this a little bit with, I think he's sort of your most marketable player. And this is obviously sort of hot because you don't want to trade your best, your best guy. And Andrew Vaughn right now at this point in time is the White Sox best guy. He's is he high. though? No, he's not, but he's got the most potential. I Does think. he though? You're not getting rid of Luis Robert. So outside of that, I, I think that's Andrew not even Vaughn, that's not even where I was going with that. Who who else outside of Andrew Vaughn is going to fetch you the highest value in any trade on the White Sox? Well, I mean the fact of the matter on the is, offensive side. I mean you can okay. go, you can go, yeah, you can yeah. go at Dylan Cease no, here. No, that and that's not where I where I was going either. Um, there are two guys, or, or excuse me, there's one guy on this roster that has had a couple of short bursts in his career. That he's had a slug that starts at the number five, which is kind of what you want from a corner player. Somebody I was just talking about a couple two three minutes ago. Um. Mr. Eloy, I mean, when he came back, he showed the prom- the promise that we all bought into when he was acquired five years ago. He showed that capability to be that middle-of-the-order run producer and masher that this lineup desperately needs. Now, again, he has followed that up with inconsistency from a performance standpoint and also from a health standpoint. But 
I think you can make a more compelling argument that there is more upside and potential that has been shown at the major league level from Aloy Jimenez than you can from Andrew Vaughn, particularly given the struggles that we have seen from Vaughn in the second half both years. I think you can. I think the injury history there and the position issue is at play when you're trying to go onto this market and say, we can trade this guy. I think a lot of GMs are going to be focused on this first base position. You've seen, uh, uh, I don't know if it's a record level, but it just feels like there's a lot of first base turnover there, within I mean, this market right now. Yeah. I mean, so if you is- don't want, if you don't want to go pay a first baseman, and you can trade with the White Sox for a guy like Andrew Vaughn, I could see a team at least making a phone call and saying, "What is it?" cost to get Andrew Vaughn here and entertain something versus all right let's go give Josh Bell or Jose Abreu this contract you've got some cost certainty with Andrew Vaughn which makes him marketable I think if I'm a GM I'm trying to go get that next hot first baseman before I'm going to go sign a guy who's 30 plus so it at least entices me to make that phone call first, which makes Andrew Vaughn a little bit more marketable. When you look at the outfield market right now, I'm kind of sitting there going, all right, is Eloy Jimenez the best I can do? You can go get Jorge Soler and basically guess which one of those guys is going to have a better year. But as we talk about cost certainty, there's a lot more cost certainty and it's more favorable at least for I want and that's only because of the work of one individual and that that name is Rick Hahn. That was the one thing that he he was good at that you could say was his calling card was his ability to get young players prospects um, even in Elo's case a guy that had never stepped foot in a major league batter's box on these quote unquote team friendly deals. So that was one thing that he did well. Unfortunately, it has in some ways kind of boxed them into this position right now because you have guys like Yohan Moncada that simply would not be making the salary that they're going to make in 2023 if they went through the arbitration process. Mm-hmm. And you could certainly make the same case for Eloy, given his injury history here, that would he be making the salary that he's going to make in 2023. So, I think in a number of ways, Han kind of got snake bit by the success that he had early on in his tenure with the Chris Sale, Jose Quintana, and yes, the Adam Eaton extensions that gave them surplus value and ultimately made them hot commodities from a trading standpoint when this team decided to go full rebuild. He got a little haphazard in thinking that all of these are ultimately going to work and as we have seen they haven't so now they're in a little bit of a compromised position from a roster construction standpoint but also then from a financial standpoint because again the performance is not commensurate with the dollar value and the prospect pedigree that these individuals had four or five years ago it could have been the best gamble ever i don't want to take that away from him I think that he, at the time, these things made sense. 
But they, they did make sense, especially when you consider the fact that you have an owner that is unwilling to pay market value. Yes. In, in, in that regard, so you have to make you have, you have to, to take do risk. something like that. You have to do something yeah. like that. And now it, it's almost comical that we're here. Like, do you imagine a scenario where like Rickon does this and it pays off and everybody says, this guy's a fucking genius? Because I can. And now we're sitting here going, well, this is this is fucked up because he signed some of these deals. He got the losing hand up until this point with this. So it it's really hard to figure out exactly where this whole thing went wrong to the point where you're fucking changing your goddamn Twitter profile picture to say it's over. It's I'm, I'm amazed that we're here. If we want to get to Sunday fun day, last 10 minutes of the show, I'm amazed that we're here right now. We should be talking about a lot more happy things. There was a losing hand that was dealt. And I love the off season show, Steve, because we get to talk about, contract status we get to talk about where this team goes from here you throw a pandemic into this you throw lost development time you throw michael kopech his injuries that guy's a number one starter by now if you're looking at this in 2018 and the guy can't throw 150 innings you look at what happened to garrett crochet you look at Dallas Keuchel, you look at Yasmani Grandal, all the big money signings that went into this team that we were even like at the time, okay, hey, they went and they spent something, all serve as reminders to Jerry Reinsdorf, like this is why I don't spend money. And every every card, every domino, everything that could go into this doesn't work out has been an issue and I'll I'll return it to one thing that we talked about earlier in the show. That's why you go sign Bryce Harper and tell him that he's underpaid. That's the problem with the White Sox. You're absolutely correct, Anthony. I mean, that's look, superstars can mask a lot of issues. The White Sox have never and everybody wants to sit there and they want to talk about Albert Bell 25 fucking years ago. Well, then I'll ask you this question too, Steve. Is Jose Abreu a superstar? I wouldn't define him as a superstar, no. I would define him as, at, at this point in his career, um, I would define him as a as a very good player. Would I define 36-year-old Jose Abreu as a superstar? No, I wouldn't. Do the White Sox have any superstars? They have guys that could be superstars, but do they have any actual superstars? No. This team has not had a superstar since they signed Albert Bell to go with Frank Edward Thomas. That's the last time. It's, it's, It's just such a problem. Yasmani Grandal, when he was signed, did you think he could be a superstar? No, no. Um, 
Johan Mancata when he yeah. was traded for? Did Yoan, you want him to be a superstar? 100%. And Johan Mancata was a guy that we were told was being billed as a superstar. He was a guy that had, you know, the last phenom. I'm going to put phenom above superstar. Yeah. Yeah. And look, that's a guy that was traded for the best White Sox pitcher I've ever seen in my life. A guy that was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. So, oh, you might say that the guy he was traded for was a superstar. Okay. I, okay. I'll, I'll okay. Back. You know, you know what? Okay. 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 That's, fair. Say, that's fair. Will, that's fair. Will, Chris Sale was a superstar. I will correct yes. you. Chris yes. Sale was a superstar. Yes. yes. Okay. That's superstar. That's, that's your last superstar. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a valid point right there. Um, on the positional side, though, we got to go back to Frank Edward Thomas and Albert Bell 25 years ago. Was Jim Tomey a superstar? Now, Jim Tomey, White Sox, no. Jim Tomey, White Sox, no, but he was a superstar, and I feel like they wanted to, to grab that little bit of superstardom from him when he was brought here. But but the problem was Jim Tomey was coming off of a season in 2005 where he missed, I'm going to say, the last three and a half months of the year. That's why he was traded because Ryan Howard took his job and hit like 50 home runs, and Ryan he became Howard. expendable. Incredible that Ryan Howard has anything to do with the, the White Sox, but it's no, it's but true. You're, the you're, funny you're thing about it, the correct. funny thing about it is that Kenny was trying to trade for Ryan Howard, not Toby. Let's and and, and if we want to talk alternate superstar history, graveyard, oh man, oh man, I'm just oh man, Sunday to, scaries are hitting me hard yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, if we want to talk alternate history and alternate scenarios. I mean, if so, dead, dead, dead cat bounce, dead cat bounce here, real quick. Dead cat bounce. Somebody's got to be a superstar. Yes or no? Dead cat <sighs> bounce. Somebody has to take a step towards being a superstar. I don't know that it has to be a superstar per se, but you need guys to be really good. You know, teams have won the World Series without superstars. The 2005 White Sox won the World Series without a superstar. The 2015 Kansas City Royals won the World Series without a superstar. Are you telling me Jeff Blum's not a superstar? Listen, I will always have a special place in my heart for number 27, Jeff Blum. Okay? Um, that is that is a fact. But uh, no, he, he in fact was not a superstar. Um, the 2002 Anaheim Angels didn't have a superstar, but they just had a really good team in all phases of the game. I think you saw that a little bit this year, Steve, from the Cleveland Guardians. Oh, fuck them. No, I'm, I, I know. I know. I know. Fuckers. I know. Fuck them. But you, you saw that team kind of grind it out. Like, yeah. Jose Ramirez very underrated. Jose Ramirez, I would categorize him as a superstar, though. I don't know if I go that far. I, I, I absolutely would. If you look at what this guy has done over the last five years of his career, oh yes, he's, sure, he's probably. Yes. He's you, probably you at, I'm not talking. I'm not even just talking about like what his baseball reference page looks like. I'm talking about a guy that everybody knows. But see. I, just Part because, of it is your publicity. Okay, okay. In a sense, in a sense, yes, but it's not his. Then again, fault. we're dealing with Major League Baseball. Right, right. I mean, it's not his fault that he plays in a shit market 
You know, Jose, Jose Ramirez is the best third baseman. He's the best player at his position. And he has been for, I want to say the last four or five years. So when you look at that, if you're the best at your position, you're a superstar. In my world, anyway. To each their own. So. I think he needs. I think he needs more marketability to be a superstar. I mean, does Mike Trout does Mike Trout get marketed particularly well? No, but I think that Tim Anderson and Mike Trout get marketed just about the same. Okay, fair. I, that's. Who's got the endorsement deals? Who do I see in commercials? I don't I don't even know if Mike Trout yes, he's got superstar abilities. Is he marketed as a superstar? I'd say that Shohei Otani gets more FaceTime than than Mike Trout does. And he's not even marketed particularly well if we're being honest with ourselves. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., though, that's superstar. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he he definitely gets uh, he gets marketed very well. I mean, when you're the son of a Hall of Famer, and before you even step on a major league f- field, you're billed as going to be the first father and son duo to be in Cooperstown together. Um, you know, you've got the marketing engine behind you. Hey, I mean, sometimes it just works that way. Indeed. I don't know. That's a question for MLB's marketing department, Steve, not us. Yes. I don't think we I don't think we can solve that one. Uh any other White Sox topics? We're just past the hour mark on Sox on Tap Sunday Fun Day. We we've really dug into some hard topics so far. Yeah, I mean, look, a free agency obviously started a couple of days ago here. Yeah, let's 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 talk about what's on tap next for for the Sox. What's what's going to happen over the Thanksgiving uh, period of time? Here well, we've got the the, the, the winter non, meetings. Yeah, the the non the non tender deadline. I want to say is coming up here um, in the next two weeks. So that's going to kind of who can be we non tender? Adam Angle. Are you going to tender Adam Engel or are you going to non-tender? That's that's an absolute non-tender right there. Um, I think if you look at him, I think Jose Ruiz is probably another guy that you can non-tender. So I like that. I like that. You know, I mean, those are probably the two most obvious ones to me. Um, So. You know that's that's going to kind of be the first hurdle to to climb here. Then obviously you've got the arbitration process at the end of the month here. Um, We're going to have another Lucas Giolito arbitration, aren't we? Well, I mean it. It all depends. It all depends on um, early you know, thoughts on how that goes. Well, it, it's look. It's all going to depend on you know how relatively close to last year's payroll they really get. We brought that up a little earlier. Yeah. Brought that up a little earlier. If you just joined us, make sure you catch this in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. We talked a little bit about Lucas Giolito and uh, some arbitration stuff. Steve, I think that uh, you're absolutely correct. Where do we we go from here? Who's going to be movable? 
a lot of this stuff is uh, is fluid, as they say in the business. It is fluid. I mean, I think the two guys that will probably have the most speculation surrounding them are Liam Hendricks and Lucas Giolito. Um, you know, maybe some Andrew Vaughn stuff mixed in there. I don't think it's going to be as widespread, however. But I think, especially given where the reliever market is, looking at the fact that Edwin Diaz got over $100 million from the Mets, the deal that Rafael Montero got from the Astros, a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers that is going to need somebody at the back end of their bullpen, you know, they've got a lot of prospect capital. Well-run organization. Would Liam Hendricks be of interest to them? I'm sure he would. And that could actually be to the White Sox benefit right there if they are looking to try to retool this thing with some young controllable talent that has high upside from an organization that actually knows how to develop players. The AJ Pollock experience. Just sells me short on dealing with the Dodgers at this point in time. Now, obviously there was an opt out that we didn't think was going to happen. I think that's the last little bit of white Sox news. There's no more AJ Pollock. Steve, before we close this out, favorite moment of the A.J. Pollock era in White Sox baseball. Man. Um, you know, if you look at some of the blunders that uh, that happened with him, obviously there's... Uh... These are positive times, Steve. Oh, oh, oh we're talking positive. Best, best moment of the A.J. Pollock era. Um. I feel like he had a hit somewhere in there in June or July in, in the eighth or ninth inning to give the Sox a lead against somebody. I feel like I was at one of those games when it happened. Kind so, of, dis- so descriptive. Probably. I think, I think it's hitting up here. Look, there's not a whole lot of good to talk about. Paint me a this. picture. How about when he just, you know, screamed, fuck you at uh, a Houston Astros player after running down a fly ball in left field when I mean, if Jimenez couldn't. If that's the best that we can do, that says all that needs to be said about the AJ Pollock experience. I thought it was going to be better. I really I think, did. I think we all did. I think we all thought that the AJ Pollock era of White Sox baseball was going to be better than it wound up being. But it, it, it felt cursed to me almost from the start because you had opening day and he was heavily involved in that. And then. I mean, it was just like on the shelf, off the and then, shelf. And then, and then the, ne- and then the next day, then the next day he tweaks his hamstring. Mm-hmm. It was on the shelf, off again, off, on the shelf, off the shelf from there on forward. It was, it, it just didn't pan out. Um, the last thing I want to really write home about this is that Nick Madrigal pick never really panned out for the White Sox. In fact, was a crucial blunder in where we're at right now because you turn Nick Madrigal into a guy opting out of being a White Sox player and involved in that is a potential Hall of Fame reliever. So you got that going for you. Not great. It doesn't look good. The optics, not good. 
bad all around. Um, and I'd the say- fact that we were in, we were entwined in this, Steve, because Craig Kimbrell in Iowa. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, look, obviously I've talked about this a number of times. Um, drafting Nick Madrigal at number four with your last high end pick of a quote unquote rebuild. It's how you lose your job. Somebody did. Mm-hmm. Somebody did. And that this is an organization, Steve, that I will say people want to say there's no accountability. You just get reassigned. You just get reassigned. Where where is Nick Hostetler right now? He's a special assistant to the general manager. Um, I think uh, specifically in the pro scouting department. I'd like that job. I'm sure you would too. It's a good gig if you can get it. Well, there you have it, Steve. We've done an hour and eight minutes and thirty four seconds of White Sox talk on Sunday. It's been a fun day. That's all I really have. We broke down where we're at right now as White Sox fans. I don't know if you want to keep going. If you've got any other topics to talk about, please hit me with them. But I think uh, I think we sprayed to a number of fields here this evening. And there's uh, no shift. There's no shift anymore. We're spraying yeah. to all fields. So those balls are, you know, finding the holes now that uh, they wouldn't necessarily find in years past. So, you know, who knows? Maybe that's the dead cat bounce that Yasmany Grandal needs. There you have it. Steve, it's excellent talking White Sox baseball with you. We're going to shut this down here in just a second. But before we do, be sure you're going on to sportsnet.com for all the Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Check out the Bulls on Tap post game show. It's going to be coming up live here as soon as the Bulls finish. I have no idea what the score is of that game. If you were with us from the start, Steve had some things to say about uh, Purdue and uh, Illinois. And that's as much of football as I'm going to get into because I said we weren't going to talk about it anymore. Bradley Squires is not going to be happy on Bulls on Tap is all I'm going to say. Oof. I I love the foreshadowing. Steve, maybe we'll be back at it next Sunday. No, we won't. We We will will not be. be. (laughs) We will be at host tonight. Be sure you're following Four Feathers Pod on Twitter at Four Feathers Pod. And, uh, it's 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 going to be a nice Sunday night. A week from now, the Blackhawks are sending Marion Hosa's jersey to the rafters. We're all going to be in attendance, so there will not be a Sox on Tap post or uh, Sunday Funday episode next week. Maybe we'll try and get something a little bit earlier if there's any White Sox breaking news. But be sure be sure you are following Four Feathers Podcast on Twitter. Uh, for all the host of content. I'm excited for that one, Steve. I don't know about you. I'm very excited. Like very, very oh, I'm, excited. I'm psyched. That's gonna be that's gonna be great. Um Hosa, you know, having his number 81 retired, going up into the rafters of the UC where it justifiably belongs. I was just thinking about this, you know. I remember 2009. So, you know, we're talking 13 years ago, night before Thanksgiving. Hosa making his debut in San Jose against the Sharks, scoring that breakaway goal. I was at at Bourbon Street getting annihilated out of my mind that night. And, um, yeah, 
posts out there. He was doing that thing. A little bit just, of foreshadowing for uh, what his tenure would be. Just uh, just a little bit of goosebumps. Wow. I, I love I love some Hosa. You know that. Uh, so it's Hosa week here at ONTAP Sportsnet. Be sure you're following. Is Hosa Marchese going to get some extra treats now because of this? He might. Hosa Marchese might get some extra treats. Everybody knows I'm this. a big, big Hosa guy. Me and Hosa, we have an unspoken you are, bond. You are a big Hosa guy for those who are tuned in right now. Uh, my my dog is is named after Marion Hosa, the greatest player to play uh, hockey of all time. Uh, that's not up for discussion. It's, it's just facts. It's, Steve, what would you say? It's, it's like facts only. Hashtag facts only. Yeah. Hashtag facts only. Yeah, and that's that's how that goes. Steve, it's great to talk White Sox baseball with you. Let's close this down how we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox for, 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 for life. <laughs>